Well, good morning, everyone. Hello to all of you joining us online as well. Hi. It's good to see everyone this morning. Ah, the good old days, huh? The good old days, the good old, don't you wish we could all just pack up and go back in time and move everything back to the 1950s? Anybody? Yes? No? You know, back in the good old days when there was no cell phones. Okay? Back in the good old days when there was no video games. Yeah, and most importantly, cannot forget this one, no air conditioning in the church. Back in the good old days. Yeah, I see some of you smiling like, oh, not that one, Pastor Wayne, not that one. So what do you think? Should we go? Yes? No? Who says yes? Who says no? I agree. (laughs) I agree. Well, today is part two of a new sermon series that we started last week called Our Imperfect Family. We're getting real about the health of your home. And just to let you know where we're at, this series is based on questions that you guys actually ask. Uh, This series is based on questions that we talk with you and and as pastors, you got to know that we engage and we chat with you. And many of you send emails to us and, and we just jot notes down about things that are in your life. And so that's where we're going with this series. And so the goal is that we take an honest assessment of our homes and our lives. And with God's help, we make some prayerful uh, decisions. And hopefully at the end of the day, things are going to look better. And consequently, our homes will get healthier and we will see some fruit. Because God's desire is this congregation, that we have healthy homes and healthy lives. So today we're going to be talking about understanding boundaries. Now, this could be with your kids, your adult kids, your siblings, your spouse, your friends, or whatever the case. And the idea is that you evaluate your relationships, that you'll be able to discern if they are unhealthy or not. And if that is the case with you, the question will become, what do you do with this relationship that is dysfunctional? What do you do when it's at the red line? And what does the scripture teach us to do? So if you remember a few weeks ago, we talked about when we read the Bible and when we learn it, that the goal is not just head knowledge. The goal is to become a doer of the word. That's what Jesus said. And the idea is that we apply the truths from Scripture into our everyday real-life situations and our problems. And so that's where we're going today. That's where we're going with this whole sermon series. So if you got an outline in your bulletin on your way in, please follow along. You can scan the QR code, follow along digital with me. If you got your Bible, you can turn to Proverbs 24. Proverbs is in the middle of your Bible. We'll spend uh, a little bit of time there this morning, and then we're going to head to Galatians in the New Testament. So you can prepare to go there with me in a little bit. All right, so we're going to put the Bible verses up on the screen today to also help you. Proverbs 24, we'll start in verses 3 and 4. This is going to be our theme verse for the rest of the series. Here is what it says, and there is some allegory going on. So here we go. It says, By wisdom... And that means skillful wisdom, okay? 
a house, and that does not mean four walls and a roof. Okay, it's talking about relationships. By wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it is established. And this word understanding, uh, established here, is the idea of pieces of the puzzle coming together, fitting together nicely, and then this proverb goes on to say, verse 4, through knowledge, and that means skillful knowledge, its rooms are filled with, what church, say it with me, what? Rare, meaning not common, rare, rare and beautiful treasures, okay? So let's rerun it again here. By skillful wisdom, a relationship is built through understanding, it is connected together, and through skillful knowledge, the rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Now, I think all of us, we would say, Pastor Wayne, that's exactly what I want with all of my relationships. Because when relationships are good, church, life is good, isn't it? But when relationships are sour, life's not so good. We all get that. So here's the visual I want you to grab a hold of. Back in the good old days, and I'll let you apply when that is. For me, it's the 1980s, okay? Back in the good old days, some of you remember this, right? Those were the days when not only did you not lock your front door of your house, but if somebody were to show up and knock, you'd just say what? Come on in, it's open, You had no idea who was there. You just tell them, come on in. Nowadays, mm -mm. no way, Jose. We have security doors. We have security cameras. We've got peepholes. We've got baseball bats. We got Rottweilers and German Shepherds. We got guns. We got bazookas. We got whatever else. We are ready. For whatever is on the other side of that door. You know what I'm saying, congregation? We are ready. And rightfully so with the things that the news tells us is going on in the world nowadays. It's no wonder why we're all prepared. And so we do these things to keep us safe from all the bad people out there. But think of this. How foolish would it be for us to just leave our hearts wide open, fully exposed, to destructive relationships in our lives. My hunch is that all of us would say, it's completely foolish. We'd be crazy to do that. And yet, truth is, so many people do just that very thing. So as we, we begin to walk through this today, it's really important that you begin praying and asking God to reveal the truth to you about your situations, because this is a no-denial zone. I have some rhetorical questions for you. Do you repeatedly find yourself offering to help a loved one, even when it's not acknowledged or appreciated? Do you find yourself resenting responsibilities that you've taken on that weren't yours to begin with? Do you find yourself frequently ignoring unacceptable behavior And then allowing it to continue. Do you ever feel fearful that doing something about it will cause a blow up? Or cause the person to leave you? Or even result, unfortunately, in violence? Do you ever find yourself lying to cover 
for a loved one's mistakes. And the list could go on and on and on, congregation, but the reality is, is we all struggle to some degree with dysfunctional relationships in our lives. And in order to get these dysfunctional relationships into a healthier position, it's going to require us to create some healthy boundaries. But before we can create those healthy boundaries, we first need to understand, and you can see in your outline, that there are two types of relationships that we have. Life-giving and life-stealing relationships, okay? So let's put this into our minds. Life-giving relationships are pretty straightforward and simple. We love these. For example, you could be dead tired from a long day at work. If you interact with a certain person or a group, it brings a fulfillment to your soul, right? We, we, we get that. And when you leave, it's like, wow, when can we hang out again? You feel like it was such a huge blessing. We all know what this feels like. And on the other hand, we have life-stealing relationships. And these are just that, life-stealing. These suck the life right out of us. It's like when those certain people text you or they call your phone and you see their name on the caller ID and the first thought is, oh, not these people or not this person and your whole mood just changes, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's the family member who's kind of volatile where it's like eggshell city and you feel like you're one word or one action away from World War III in your home. Life stealing, total dysfunction. And so the question becomes, what are we supposed to do with all this? What insights can we get from Scripture to help us relate better with the people who are closest to us? And the good news is, is we have some biblical principles that we can learn from Jesus, Peter, and Paul to help us. So number one in your outline, life-giving relationships are based on grace and truth. Grace and truth. And we will see that this is exactly how Jesus dealt with people. Because here is the thing about grace. It comes first from God to us, our vertical relationship with him. And then because of the Lord working in us, it should be given horizontally from us, outward, our horizontal relationships with others. Two weeks ago, we talked about this very idea. Here's what grace is. Grace is God is for us. He's on our side. And there is nothing that you can do to make God love you at a greater level than he already does. It's unmerited favor. That is grace. Now apply that same idea horizontally to the people around you. It looks something like this. Bobby, I'm for you, bud. I'm on your side. There is nothing you can do to make me love you any more than I already do. Grace. And in your outline, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, a well-known verse. Here's what Paul says. For it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. So the principle is this. God wants us to lavish grace in our relationships 
because he has given us that same grace. That is exactly what Jesus modeled. Think about Peter and his relationship with Jesus. Peter was in Jesus' inner circle, one of his most trusted friends. And Peter still denied Jesus three times when the pressure was on. And that was after Jesus told him, you're going to deny me. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus still gave Peter, what church, what did he give him? He gave him grace. And then later during Peter's apostolic ministry, we see him talking about receiving that grace from Jesus. And then we see him lavishing it out in relationships with people. Folks, giving grace horizontally, this is a sign of Christian maturity and living in healthy relationships. Y'all with me so far? Look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. Here's what it says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received, and here it is, to serve others. And here is the reason why. As faithful stewards of what, everyone say it with me, God's grace in its various forms. So we receive grace from God, and then we take it and we give it away, free of charge. We lavish it outward to others. And why do we do that? Because that, my friends, is the heartbeat of God. That's exactly what Jesus modeled for us It's what he did. And then there's the other part of that, truth. That's always the good one, isn't it? What is truth? Truth is reality. Some of us appreciate truth. Some of us don't appreciate truth at times. It can be hard to swallow. And grace and truth work together. Grace creates the safe environment. Truth allows you to say what is real and is actually happening. Now think of Jesus with the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus confronts her about her multiple husbands and her past. He gives her grace. And then he says, I don't condemn you. Very important part there. And then he gives her truth. He says, go and sin no more. Essentially saying, hey, you can't be shacking up with the man you're not married to. Grace and truth. It is the heartbeat of Jesus, and it's totally necessary for any healthy relationship. Y'all with me on that? Point number two now, life-stealing relationships. These ones, they often feel out of control. And you can see I put in your outline here where grace is taken and granted and truth Grace is taken for granted and truth is ignored. Life-stealing relationships take the biblical principles of grace and truth, what we just talked about, and flip them on their head. Often you will see anger, you will see guilt being used as a control tactic and see, here's the... relationship that we experience and often sound like 
this, I won't. The flip of that. You do that, I'm not going to do this. And so it's all about control, control, control. And these life-stealing relationships are about control of those folks. And by the way, they're almost always out of control. Complete opposite of life-giving relationships. And so boundaries, my friends, boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. These are what give these life-stealing relationships a fighting chance to hopefully become life-giving. You might say, well, how do we know all this, Pastor Wayne? It's actually in the Scripture. We're going to get to it in just a second. For that are life-stealing, this may seem kind of counterintuitive, but it's true. Here's why. Because if you're in a life-stealing relationship, everything inside of you says, keep doing what you're doing. And if that's you, my question for you is, how's that working, my friend? And if you're honest, we both know it's not working very well. So the truth is, it's not going to work, and that's why we need boundaries. So if you would, turn with me in your Bible to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, and here's where the Apostle Paul addresses this issue of boundaries for believers in the New Testament. Because see, unhealthy relationships, these are not something that's new. This isn't a 21st century issue. In fact, it's been going on since Genesis chapter 3. Got a long history in our world of toxic relationships. And so in the New Testament time, the Apostle Paul, he deals with it. He tells the church in Galatia exactly what to do. And he uh, is used by the Lord here to teach us how to pivot, how to establish a boundary, get our relationships going in a God-honoring direction. So look at Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 2. Here's what it says. Carry each other's burdens. All right. We're, We're pretty good at that, aren't we? It happens all the time. And scripture says, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And sometimes people will say, well, isn't that what God wants me to do? Sort of. We need more clarity. Verse 3. If anyone thinks that they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Now verse 5. For each one should, what church, say it with me, should carry their own load. So these verses, they could be a whole sermon in and of themselves. Let me tell you that. But verse 2 says carry each other's burden. And verse 5 says carry your own load. Now which one is it? Well, when you study the Greek terms, it helps. And I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the word, but these ones are pretty easy. You see, in verse 2, the Greek term for burden is called baros. And this word means an excess burden, right? Or a crushing weight. So your friend, they're doing great in life. And all of a sudden, an unforeseen illness or an emergency, a car accident, an earthquake, a tornado, whatever the case is, some kind of unforeseen catastrophe comes into place. This is that giant, 
crushing weight of the Greek term bara. So as believers, according to verse 2, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to come alongside and help shoulder some of that experience from our fellow brother or sister. That right there is what God wants us to do. And by the way, First Baptist Church of Fair Oaks, you guys are great at this. You are. So, well done. In verse 5, the Greek term for load is fortion. Fortion. And this means the daily burden of labor. This is completely different from baros. One is an unforeseen emergency. The other is just normal daily responsibilities that we're all supposed to accomplish. So here's the principle, folks. God never intended for you or for me or for anybody to shoulder and carry the normal day-to-day responsibilities of our capable loved ones. That's the biblical principle here. And when your friend or your loved one believes that their personal issues or their personal load is now your responsibility to carry, and when you accept that and you carry their load, here's what happens. Your relationship with them moves into a repetitive cycle of dysfunction. And it will continue and continue and continue until you create a boundary. And ultimately, if you don't address it, the relationship will blow up. Happens all the time. And I know that you don't want that. So I'll say it again. God never intended for any of us to carry another person's daily load. It's already enough for us to carry our own load. Do you agree? Okay. Do we help with unforeseen circumstances? Yes, all day long and twice on Sunday. Do we carry somebody's personal load? No. No. Now you may say, well, what about their feelings? They have to carry their own feelings. Right? You're not responsible for carrying their feelings. There is no way you could carry their feelings, even if you wanted to. They have to do that. It's not for you. But what about their thoughts? You've got to let them carry their own thoughts. You can't carry them for them. It's not for you to do that. Well, what about their values? You've got to let them carry their own values. Because sometimes their values are contradictory to yours. It's theirs to carry. It's not you. Because if you carry their values, congregation, what's going to happen is it will create an enormous amount of tension in the relationship. And the, re- and the reason why this is true is because when you surrender your values to theirs, some of you know exactly how this feels. It's not a place you want to be. So I just want to encourage you. You've got to establish this boundary. This is to help you. This is to protect you. God's word says that everyone needs to carry their own load. It is each person's individual responsibility. It's not enough to just know this biblical truth. We must apply this in order for God to change our homes and to change our relationships. If we do not apply this truth, the dysfunction that some of us might be experiencing is going to continue. So when we understand this boundary, it will benefit us. When we understand other boundaries, they benefit us. And when we get these boundaries into our life, I'm telling you, all of a sudden, it is like a breath of fresh air. We see opportunity again to love these people, 
rather than resent them a majority of the time. Are you seeing this congregation? Are you with me today? All right, boundaries are your friends. So let's talk about some application steps. In your outlines here, you see three steps toward healthier relationships. Three steps, all right? And you could start these right after church today. Right after church, they're gonna help you. And let me just get this on the table real quick so we're all on the even playing field. If you're in a life-stealing relationship, and if you've been carrying someone else's load and you decide today is gonna be the day where you just, hey, I'm not gonna do that anymore, you go home and it's like, hey, Bobby, I'm all done. I'm all done. Here you go. This is yours to carry now. I'm just gonna let you know you need to trust me on this, that Bobby is not going to be very happy with you. He's not going to run up to you and give you a big hug. It's just not going to happen. So you just got to be ready for that. So the first step in this, number one, is you've got to let go. You've got to let go. Galatians 6.5 says, for each one should carry their own load. When you carry another person's load, you have to understand you are not doing them any favors. It's not actually helping them. In fact, it's enabling them. And it's right here in Galatians. God is saying, let go. By the way, do I need to sing the song, let it go? I didn't think so. Okay. You can hear the song, can't you? Okay. So what does this look like? What does this look like? So you have a rebellious child. It's your sibling or your, it's your cousin or your friend or, or whatever. And, and they want to get clean. They want to get off drugs. So what does this look like? So when they come to you and they ask you to call a 12-step program or a rehab center or a counselor or whatever, the question becomes to you like, should you do that? And the answer is no. Because they have to carry their own load then what should you do? Give them the phone. Give them the phone number and have them make the actual phone call. That's part of them taking responsibility for their own load. Is it Christ-like? Absolutely it's Christ-like. In fact, it's one of the most loving and Christian things you could do for them. Because if you do the footwork for them, you're still carrying the load. You may feel better because you're helping them take a step in the right direction, but you're not breaking the cycle of dysfunction. Got to see that, congregation. They are the only ones who can do that. So let go. Let go. Oh, wait. No, no, no. Help them take responsibility, right? They have to make the plans. They have to make the phone call. They have to arrange the transportation to the NA or the AA meeting or whatever. Now, sure, you could help drive them if it fits your schedule, but the onus of responsibility is on that person. They have to get help. They have to get clean. You have to let it go. Get out of the way of the lesson that God is trying to teach them. Okay, I know it can be tough, but it's absolutely necessary. It's Christ-like, it's biblical, and that is exactly what God wants for you to do. Number two in your outline is you have to speak up. Now, this is one that is directly connected to number one. 
And this is where a ton of believers fall down. This is the one where when we give grace and truth, and if it's done wrong, the other person throws it back in our face, and all of Hades breaks loose. And then what a lot of us do is we turtle, right? We hunker down, we give in, we go back into our shell, and we just kind of surrender to their power, and we don't continue to push forward. Is that what God wants for us? No, it is not. How do we know? Look in your outline. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Here's what it says. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. The truth in love component. We've heard this before. But this component is essential, right? It is. Diplomacy, tact, love, compassion, where we treat people with kindness. These types of things need to be part of our attitude, where we tell the people the truth, but it's done in the right way. And when we do it absent of love, the conversation's over real quick. And it's unproductive. And by the way, I'm sure you have experienced this at some point in your life. It's no fun, is it? But when the love component is there, Scripture says, look right there with me. It says, we grow to become the mature body of Christ. Folks, this is a skill. This is a skill worth our time investing into. Because we are all sinners and we don't think this way naturally. Love comes from God, right? First John 4. God is love. We have to learn how to love from God. And then we give it outwards. We all need this skill. And especially if you're somebody like the bald guy preaching on the stage who's a lion type of a personality, you need to develop this skill. I'm working on it. How about you? Back to Galatians chapter 6, now verse 1. Paul gives us the end goal of our speak-up conversations. He says right here, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should, and here's the goal, it's right here, it's to restore that person gently. But here's the warning. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Remember what Jesus said. Make sure you're right with the Lord spiritually before you speak up. Remember, that's the whole take the log out of your own eye before you worry about the speck of dust in your brother's eye. And when we go to another to speak up, it's always, always, always about restoration. That is the heartbeat of Christ, my brothers and sisters. The absolute statements that we say, they've got to disappear. Do you know what I'm talking about? The always and the never statements. Can't point those faults out. That's the, you're always mean. You never listen. Got to get rid of that stuff. Because those may be true. I totally get it. Those may be true, but it's not helpful. The statements don't follow Galatians 6.1, right? As believers, it's about living in the spirit of God. And restoration is the goal here. Speak up, yes. Speak the truth in the situation, 
Yes, but it must be done the way Jesus did it. Grace, truth, gently with love. The love of Christ. I know it's not easy, folks, but that is the truth. And the last one, number three. This may be the most difficult for some, but you've got to follow through. You've got to follow through. Keep your Bible open to Galatians 6, though. But in your outline, I want you to look at with me to Proverbs 19. Proverbs 19, verse 19 says this, a hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. Rescue them, and you'll have to do it again. In other words, if you rescue them, if you enable them, it's not actually going to help. It's just going to be more of the same. The cycle is going to repeat. The toxicity will continue. Is that what you want? I'm guessing not. And so with that idea, now let's go to Galatians 6. This time let's look at verses 7 and 8, would you please? Scripture says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. That's a shot in the arm right there. But here's the good news. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will what? Reap eternal life. So keeping this idea in front of us, God gives us grace. He gives us truth. His desire is for us to have relationships that are filled with grace and truth. And that is a picture of a healthy relationship. And when we have relationships that don't have grace and truth, boundaries are the solution for you. Boundaries are what's going to give that relationship a fighting chance to get healthy. And verse 8 right here says, sowing from the Spirit. So congregation, let's get honest. Let's get real about the health of our home. If you're struggling because you have a life-stealing relationship in your home or your friend's home or whatever, my heart does go out for you. It really does. I've been praying for you all this week. But if you choose to do nothing, if you choose to just continue to carry the load of that other person, to carry their responsibilities, just being straight with you, nothing is going to change. You'll be in the same situation down the road that you're in today, and I don't think that you want that. So I just encourage you. God wants you to have a meaningful life. You matter to him. Our sign out on the parking lot says people matter. You matter to God. He doesn't want you to live with toxicity in your home. But if your life's going to get healthy, and if you want your spiritual life to get stronger, you will have to do the things that you may not want to do. You're going to have to put some security doors around your wide open heart. Just like you have a security door, a screen door, a Rottweiler, a baseball bat, or a bazooka, whatever you got on the inside of your front door in your house. Got to protect yourself. Y'all with me on that? Okay. Look what God's word says. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. We looked at this verse in the What Are You Thinking series. 
Out of your heart emanates your life. Everything flows from it. And I don't mean the muscle that beats 120 times a minute and pumps blood through your body. That's not what I'm talking about here. What this verse is referring to is your inner soul. God wants you to protect the most precious part of you, your soul. This is essential for healthy living. Got to protect your heart because everything you do flows from it. Life-stealing relationships that you have in your life are going to be very difficult because the other person, a lot of the times, does not guard their heart. They just allow all kinds of junk to come out in their speech and in their actions, and it's a total mess on aisle six. And they're hot-headed, as Proverbs 19 says. They try to control everyone, you, your sister, your brother, and everybody else around you too. And as a result, they just spill over everywhere, and they splash junk And it gets on you, and now it's in your life. And the worst part about it is you didn't ask for any of that. But what do you do? You have to be proactive. You have to guard your heart. Boundaries are the tool that God has given you and me to do just that. Part of our strategic plan here at First Baptist for 2023 This is the year of strengthening for us here at First Baptist. I've been saying this since January 1st. God wants to do something amazing in this church through all of you and our impact to the Fair Oaks community with the Great Commission. But we must get stronger. We must, both individually and corporately as a church. And you have to see that part of getting stronger is addressing these types of issues that we're talking about in this series, getting real about the health of our home. We have to get real about it. We can't fake it to make it. My prayer for you is that you would sense what God is speaking to your spirit this morning, that you would listen to his word here, and that you would let the truth of the scripture soak into your inner soul. Follow through. It is absolutely essential to having any kind of a healthy relationship whatsoever. And if you're in a difficult situation this morning, my heart goes out to you. But you have to understand that getting spiritually stronger is going to require you to make some very important decisions. There's no way around it. There's no easy way through this. You're going to have to do it. It's necessary. So I just want to encourage you. Trust God's word. He knows what he's talking about. Press into God today. Ask him for strength. Make the changes necessary for your life. Get help from a trusted friend. Talk to our encouragers. Talk to your small group leader. Whatever. Let the body of Christ surround you. We can breathe life into each other. We're better together. We're better together. Pursue health in your home, congregation. Let's get real about the fact that we have an imperfect family. Let's get real about the health of our home. I'm going to ask you if you'll remain seated this morning and pray with me. God, as we come in this place today, 
Lord, we trust you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that he decided to, our Lord Jesus came into this world to die on the cross, to save us from our sin, to give us grace, to give us truth, to restore us into a relationship with you. Lord, thank you so much for all of that. And because you have given us that grace, God, you've asked us to pass it outwards, to give it horizontally with, to the people in our lives. God, that is our prayer this morning. That we would get real with you. So God, I pray for every person in this room today. That we would get open, that we would get honest with the relationships that we have. Lord, we seek strength from you today. So God, as you give us the strength, Help us to press into you, to lean into you. God, we love you. Thank you for what you've done. So Lord, help us to reflect on this this morning as we hear the proclamation of your word through song now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.